Super Bowl Sunday, and I'd like to go over some of the brief rules of football. A real simple one. Is that okay? I'm going to use this rock for now as a uh, metaphor for a football. Okay? It's a little heavier. It's a little different shape. So, just basically, when the offense has the ball, there is a line. And we call it the line of scrimmage. Usually the center on the line hikes it back and the quarterback gets the ball. The quarterback usually hands it off or he passes it or sometimes he runs it. But there is a rule. The rule is that once the quarterback or anyone else for that matter passes the line of scrimmage, they can no longer throw a forward pass. Yeah, Peggy's blocking. So I'm going to use that as a metaphor here. This rock is a football And the metaphor is that I have already crossed the line of scrimmage and I've got nothing to throw. There's no rocks to throw. So I want to to say that at the beginning of this message. And I want to tell you about a phone call that I received. You ever get those phone calls where by the tone you just know it's something really bad? I got one of those one time from a a local pastor in my town. I was in Frankfurt, Indiana at the time. Uh, We're going to call him Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike was the most respected pastor in our time. He was just the one a lot of us looked to. And he called me, and Pastor Mike's tone was not good. And so I said, well, what's the matter? He said, there was a, there was a child in our community who was struck by a car and died. And it was devastating to our community. Not too long after that, we had a pastor's gathering. And I remember it was, it was a lot of fun, but came home and... Pastor Mike wasn't at that gathering. And I got a call from another pastor. And this pastor is a little more fun-loving and jokey, but it was his tone. And his tone was, did you hear about Pastor Mike? And right there, my memory went back to the accident. And I blurted out, did he die? And the pastor spoke some words that I'll always remember. No, it's worse than that. We're going to get into the message. I'll tell you what was he said was worse later, uh, but we'll clue you in. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 27 through 28 through 29. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin... Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I heard this guy talk about doing some teaching at a church group. And he said, if we applied this verse literally, we would be the church of the one-eyed. And the response was something like, I think you're giving us too much credit. Because even after we lost that one eye, we'd be the church of the blind. Well said. (laughs) So, uh, church of the blind. As we get into this uh, sexuality, it's a personal topic. It's difficult. It's emotional. It's not emotionally neutral. And there are all kinds of feelings, emotions, memories that may come back to us. And again, let's go back to that. There's no rocks to throw today. Uh, Jesus, another thing that he said in the Beatitudes is, Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. So mercy is really leading this thing. And, and we're looking at Jesus. Um, so there's so many of us who struggle with shame, who struggle with regret, who, from memories, from 
bad decisions that we've made, regretful things that seemed good at the time, and then they turned out not to be later. Uh, There are people in this room who have struggled with being exploited, being victimized by this in some way. So again, this is a very personal, it's an emotional topic. And some of you might be thinking something along the, the lines of, Pastor, mind your own beeswax. I get that. <laughs> Do you know where that phrase came from? Mind your own beeswax? I looked it up. And here, here was one theory that I found on Google. So in the 1800s, uh, women wore, usually women, would wear beeswax as makeup to cover up their scars. This was during a time uh, when the, there was a smallpox epidemic. And so there, a lot of people, especially had scars from smallpox or whatever, so they would use beeswax to cover it. And when someone got too close and was looking at somebody's beeswax, like, I bet she covered some scars, the, the response was, mind your own beeswax. So that might be true or might not. But what I'm saying is, I better mind my own beeswax. And I get that. That's very true. So it's not to hear, it's, it's not for me, it's not for a pastor today to throw stones or to condone. It's to look at the words of Jesus and maybe even, or hopefully even, take a step towards the healing of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the goodness of Christ, and the way that he has that is so good for us. Because sex has produced lots of good things and lots of painful things. Did you know that none of us would be in this room if it weren't for sex? Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? See why we want some of the kids gone? (laughs) They don't want to think about that, do they? Um, Sorry, my kids too, by the way. Um, but, But it's true. Like, we would not be here without it. And I think it's a really good thing that you're here today. Like, we are blessed by your presence with us. So, really great things. And also some really horrible things, exploitation, greed. In fact, with Super Bowl Sunday, one of the big things that comes with Super Bowl Sunday is lots of human trafficking. I know someone who used to work in the Marion County Office of Prosecutors, and specifically what their role was was to deal deal with the, the trafficking cases. And they were kept very busy for a few years after the Super Bowl was hosted here. So that's a sad thing that happens when wealthy travelers gather place there's there's lots of exploitation too that is is horrible so it's good it's it's bad it's emotional it's difficulty um and i'm going to tell you about one guy maybe if you're here and you're not a christian you're sitting here thinking this is exactly why i don't want to be a christian uh sex i don't want it to ruin sex life or think about this stuff and we want to say we're glad you're here And hopefully something that you hear from Jesus and the Holy Spirit is helpful to you. But I want to tell you about a guy who had a praying mom who was kind of a burr under his saddle. And his mom kept praying for him to come to know Christ, to follow Jesus. And one of the big reasons why he resisted was because he didn't want it to ruin his sex life. But eventually, it seems like even though he thought he was turning his way and running away from it, God kept looking after him. God was running after him. He was coming after him. So there was one point when this guy, he he just had this voice. He he heard a a voice that said, take up and read. And so he picked up a Bible, and he did a, a method that we don't always recommend, but he just opened it up and saw where it led and kind of put his finger down there. And and where he placed his finger was from a verse in Romans, Romans 13, 13 through 14. And it said this. 
Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, this man's name was Augustine, also pronounced Augustine, and he became a really influential leader in the church. And I think my favorite thing about Augustine is a quote that he gave us. It's a tongue-in-cheek prayer that I think is really good. Lord, give me chastity and continence, but not yet. Another way that we could say it is, Lord, give me purity. Give me control over my impulses, but not yet. God, give me, help me to lose weight, but not yet. Let me eat this hot fudge Sunday first, right? Let me go out for Mexican. (laughs) Let's do this the right way. God, help me. Give me purity. Give me self-control, but not yet. There's a few things that I want to do first to get out of the way. Now, you thought that it was just you, right? That's a, it's a very human thing. It's a very human prayer, and it's a, a funny way of thinking about it. Um, moving on, let's get back to Jesus. Matthew five twenty nine. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. I'll pause here before we finish because a few years ago I preached on this passage here and Jenny was worried about our son Caleb who was doing the slides back then like he's doing today. And she said, did you, (laughs) hi Caleb, were you bothered about what your dad was talking about today? He said, yeah, it was so gross. That gouging your eye part was disgusting. So it is disgusting. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Let's go back to Pastor Mike. When uh, it was told something worse, and it was he's committed adultery and been caught, and his family's in a lot of pain. Now, I'm not definitely not here to say that's the right point and that that's worse than death. Definitely not saying that, and he's got a pretty good story in the end. But in this particular instance, he was a pastor, His daughter was about ready to get married in a few days, and he got fired from the church where he worked and had been for years and years and where they had saw his little girl grow up. And in that event where he was walking his daughter down that aisle just days after he'd lost his job and and people felt devastated, it was a terrible thing. And I would guess that maybe... Pastor Mike and maybe his family might even use the word hell to describe what it was like for them. Those days where it just caught up. So this gouging the eye stuff, it's not literal. (laughs) Uh, Just like the the joke, you would be the church of the one eye or church of the blind, because that's not really what Jesus was going after. It was more of a, a symbol of Jesus saying, hey, if you're looking into this, stop. It's not gonna be worth it. There's some things that seem like great things in a moment, but they are the way down the road to hellish kind of pain. And they can rob us of some greater moments later if we keep going down that way, down that path. In the book, The Odyssey, Odysseus, when he was, the hero was returning from home, he was setting sail on the sea and it was a dangerous journey. But probably the most dangerous part of the journey was the sirens. And in a really great description that Homer gave us, they're, they're trying to figure out their ways around the siren song because the people would listen to these songs and the songs would lead them straight into ship, 
a shipwreck, into the rocks. It would be destruction. So the strategy was, was for Odysseus to be tied around the mast of the ship. That way he couldn't get loose. So he'd be there, they'd be singing, but there was nothing that he could do because he was tied. And then for the crew who had to be there to steer the ship, he gave them beeswax. And they put beeswax in their ears so that they would not hear the siren song. So they were able to get through those, the siren song, the, those part of the seas, because Odysseus was tied to the mast and couldn't get away no matter how badly he wanted to. And the, the crew did not hear the song because of the beeswax in their ear. So if that, that was written a, while, a little while before Jesus taught. So I'm guessing if he were talking to Greek people who were familiar with the Odyssey, Maybe his illustration would have been something like, if siren songs cause you to stumble, put beeswax in your ears and tie yourself to the mast. Because it is better to get a little rope burn and splinters and wax in your ear than it is to be shipwrecked by the siren's song. We think about Jesus' teaching, and again, acknowledging it's heavy. But I think some of the most compelling logical reasons are given in the book of Proverbs, and they fit really well with the Odyssey, too. Before we get into my favorite proverb on the subject, uh, I want to pause here and say something very obvious that, that should be common sense to all of us. But even though we're using female images kind of in a way where the female is tempting, this is in no way blaming women. Uh, that happens a lot. It happened in the garden, and it hasn't really stopped where people will blame somebody else for their responsibility. So the image of women is temptress. Temptation comes through men and women, and the devil's behind it all. So uh, we're not blaming. This, these are just how the illustrations work. So we want to be really, really clear about that. Jesus was clear. There's neither male nor female. We're, we're all one in Christ, and there's no reason blaming the other gender. So Proverbs 5, 8 through 9. Keep a path far from the adulterous woman. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. There was a, a great thinker, a great spiritual leader, and there are reports that one of the things that he did to increase his self-control is that he would watch women undress, attractive women undress and even be in the same bed as him so that he would be above that temptation. That's what allegedly happened. And I want to say like Jesus and the Proverbs have completely the opposite advice. It's not get as close as you can to temptation and show how strong, how much impulse control you have, how much willpower. It's run away. <laughs> Keep a path far from it. Um, because the siren is shipwrecked people. The siren song is shipwrecked people with more impulse control than probably that you have. It's not something that we can win. Or as Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. We don't want to go down that path because it might be more than we could handle. Right, let's go back to that Proverbs again. These last, last words from Proverbs are powerful to me. Proverbs 5, 18 through 20. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? If you are in a faithful, non-abusive marriage, be intoxicated with your spouse. A lot of stuff happens in life. There's the mundane things. There's the stresses and struggles and disagreements and tensions. 
but we would be wise to take that counsel from Solomon, find ways to be intoxicated. And a great, again, a great question, why be intoxicated with someone else? Um, This is a sobering challenge that challenges us every day. Again, why another? Um, If you are single and you might be thinking, well, I'm kind of left out of here, I would say, no, you're not. Adultery can affect any of us with our marital status. It, It is important to avoid this. And if you're single and want to remain single, fantastic. Jesus was single. Paul was single. They affirmed it. If that's your desire, fantastic. We, that's great. If you're single and would like to be married someday, that's fantastic too. Uh, wherever you're at on this, you're not being left out here. But these words are powerful to all of us. Why think about another? What is, is the way that we're going? Is it a way to eternal and abundant life? Or is it a path towards hell? Is it a path toward home? Or is there a path towards a horrible shipwreck? Don't head down that path. So if we were to take the sexual out of it, what is adultery? It's a lack of contentment with what you have and going after something that belongs to someone else. It's that idea of never enough. Maybe this one more thing will will bring that satisfaction I'm looking for. This is not, uh, in, in the days of Israel too, it was a constant constant struggle. One God versus idolatry. Even they had a prayer, a Shema prayer. Morning and night, most people of Israel prayed this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Starting the day, ending the day with that prayer, the Lord is one. Remember it, one thing. But those those idols, those sirens, they can be awfully compelling. And this isn't a people of Israel problem. It's not a human problem. It's, it's, it's a problem that affects Christians and, and Jews and human beings, this heart that wants more. Rich Mullins had a song, and he wrote these lines kind of about this. Well, everybody that I know says they need just one thing, but what they really mean is they need just one thing more. May we be led to the God who is one in the way of Jesus that really is trying to keep us from shipwrecks and lead us to a path that is life and save us from some unnecessary suffering. Now, if you've already committed adultery, and maybe all of us or about all of us have committed in our heart, there's no, no stones to throw. You don't need to wear a scarlet letter. I know that you've paid a serious price. But I want you to, too, let's, all of us need to hear these words. Hear, hear the words of the only one who could throw a stone that he spoke to someone who had just committed adultery. John 8, 10 through 11. This is the kind of person Jesus is. This is the kind of God that we have. Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. That's not a judgmental finger wagging. It's like, I want to save you from someone. I've got a way that's so much better. I've got a way that can, in the storms of life, when they start to attack the house where you'll be safe. Your house will stand. I've got a way. Please follow that because it'll be so, I've got so much better plans than you can imagine. So if wherever, how do we apply this? Wherever we are, wherever we land on this, whatever we're struggling with, uh, whether it's shame, regret, anger, betrayal, loneliness, we can look to Jesus for healing. He is the way. 
He's the way to life. He's the way to healing. He's the way to hope. And also, as a church, we're trying to, to be a community that provides safe spaces to be real. So if you know some people from church that you can talk to and have a real conversation with, we hope to be that kind of church where if there's somebody you need to talk to, if there's something that you're going through, that there's going to be somebody who can listen and pray for you and just care about you and, and point, point us all to Jesus. So as we look to Jesus, let us remember also that beeswax helps as we're trying to avoid looking at the things that will harm us. Adultery is really looking for love in all the wrong places. And it's looking in a place maybe where God is not exactly there. But even where we're looking, God is still looking for us. And when we turn back and see that one, he doesn't cast us away, but he shows us mercy. And he he creates, as we look to him, he works to create in us a pure heart that is more content, that is more full of life and joy. So as we close this out, let's close this with another beatitude because this can be really powerful when it sinks in. And the worship team's going to come forward here. But may this, may this land. Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Will you pray with me? The Lord's Prayer is written up here, I think, up on, the, up on the wall. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 